All right, everybody. Um, so this intro for the March podcast, we are going to be going over Onward, Bloodshot, and The Hunt. But before we begin, I wanted to address something that's been going on right now that I think is kind of something that we really need to go over in case this does happen. Um, the coronavirus is pretty bad right now, as a lot of people know. Um, a lot of major sports leagues have canceled. Obviously, March Madness is not happening anymore. The NBA is on suspension. The XFL has canceled the season. No! Uh, yeah, the NHL has canceled. Uh, it's Or not canceled the season. I think it's still on suspension. The uh, MLB has suspended <laughs> its season so far. Like, every major sports place is suspended. There are even big NBA stars and big celebrities like Tom Hanks that have the coronavirus. So it's kind of a scary situation. Um, but one big thing that's being talked about right now is movie theaters being shut down. As you guys know, my entire podcast thrives on us going to those movie theaters, seeing those new movies, and talking about them. But right now, it's looking very hard to continue going forward because everything is getting delayed. And I mean everything. Because I woke up this morning, and A Quiet Place 2 was delayed. And I was like, okay, that's a little weird because it comes out next week. Usually, you want to announce that you know, like months or weeks in advance like James Bond did. Yeah. Uh, then you turn around, and now Disney is considering moving Mulan back a couple months because they want to make money in China, obviously. Uh, Peter Rabbit got delayed, as a lot of people know. That one was probably the biggest shock to people. <laughs> yeah, because that's supposed to be an Easter movie. Yeah, um, and then, like, Lovebirds got delayed also. Basically, a lot of movies are getting delayed, but the biggest is, of course, the glorious masterpiece that is Fast 9 has been pushed back till next year. No! Um, so, right now, it's really looking like... April is going to be drought-filled. It yeah. looks like we may be very limited to what we can talk about because everything is getting delayed. And I think it's kind of important for us to address the fact that this virus is something to not really joke around with. Um, a lot of people are getting sick. So yeah, a lot of people are getting sick every day. Uh, my university is shut down for three weeks, obviously. Nobody's allowed on campus. Um, a lot of kids are deathly, like, not feeling well, even in the local area we live in and stuff, and they're getting tested day by day for the coronavirus. Like, this ain't really a laughing matter right now. This virus is kind of scary to think about. But at the same time, um, I kind of want to address what's going to happen if movie theaters do possibly shut down, because that is a topic of conversation right now, is should we keep them open? Because you know, hundreds of people go and watch yeah. movies in a packed theater together, and that's how you spread it the most. Yeah. Uh, if that happens, it's going to be a very long hiatus. I will probably put up a podcast just me addressing, like, hey, this is what's going to happen for a little while. This is how long movie theaters are closed. We'll be back to talk about these movies and stuff, but we're not dead, guys. We're not quitting. Just know that if that does happen, then we'll address it. But um, I guess I this would be the perfect time to then plug in Brian's podcast. Um, Rewind replays. In the meantime, uh, if this does happen, if there aren't many movies to talk about, check out his podcast because we'll probably be doing a lot more there and stuff. He's got the Shrek one that's coming out on St. Patrick's Day, as a lot of people know. Um, he's got the Wheel of the Worst 2, basically. Wheel of whatever. Wheel of whatever uh, 2 that's coming out sometime in the start of April. Uh, his birthday podcast. And then we talked about like a biopic uh, trilogy podcast. We talked yeah. about a uh, Candyman podcast, stuff like that. Like, We've thrown around ideas and stuff, but um, yep. if theaters do get shut down and a lot of movies keep getting delayed, we're going to be more solely on rewind yeah. replays. And that could lead to doing even more podcasts uh, over the <clears throat> over the course of the next few like months. Uh, like I'm not saying we're going to do weekly. Oh yeah, but there's a chance that we might have like at least two, maybe three a month if we get there. Yeah, for mine, just because Hayden's uh, won't be as uh, up to date and basically being on hiatus yeah if it does come to that we might even uh, would, would you say we might even have to move the news 
Yeah, um, which is kind of why I did the news now, talking about all this, just being like, hey, the coronavirus is obviously the biggest story right now and everything it's doing, which is why I obviously talked about all those movies that got delayed and the actors getting it and stuff and the sports world. So uh, it's a scary situation. Um, Restaurants are still going to keep going, I guess, as of right now. Um, Pretty much most open places, open public places are going to be open, like arcades and stuff like that are for some reason still going to be open, even though those are like nesting hubs for germs I but mean, um I, I, we can assume they clean them but we I, don't know yeah yeah um but as of right now guys uh i'm just making this intro as a precaution because again we don't know what the future holds with this virus we don't know what it's going to do because um looking forward now there aren't really a lot of movies for us to talk about Not theater really. wise because a quiet place is gone mulan is possibly going to be gone uh lovebirds james bond uh all got delayed obviously as far as we know we don't we don't know anything about like saint Maud yeah. or uh is the green knight supposed to come out here soon too? uh in may actually like last okay, week of may so, so that, that one's could safe. still be safe yeah so as far as we know there's some movies that we're not 100 percent sure on but even if those get canceled we're going to be kind of screwed for the next uh, month or two. Yeah, and I'm very sorry about this, guys. I know that it was kind of in poor taste for me to make a podcast that revolves around relevant movies and stuff, but um, nobody expected this virus. I don't think anybody even predicted this no. would happen. So, um, it's kind of a scary time we're living in. Uh, this podcast will kind of serve as like a time capsule as to what happened basically in this time period, basically yeah. when you listen to this intro. So, uh, that being said, we will transition into Onward now. Yep. So the first movie to kick off the podcast of March is a new Disney Pixar movie called Onward. So, as a lot of you guys know, as of late, Pixar has not exactly been the great company that they used to be when making their movies. They've either made original ideas like The Good Dinosaur, which are not really great movies and movies people don't really remember, but they used to make movies that were really good like Up and Ratatouille and all that. Like, they were making movies that a lot of people remembered at one point, too. The thing with Pixar as of late is they've either just continuously made sequels nobody wants to see or original ideas that start off pretty promising and then just kind of fall flat as it gets midway towards the movie and third act. The thing that I don't like about Pixar nowadays is they just kind of feel like another cog in the Disney machine. That's why I didn't really have much faith in On because there was limited marketing for it. I don't remember seeing a lot of trailers at the movie theaters for it because I don't know whether Disney was trying to hide something from us or not. I don't know what was going on there. And B, this movie just kind of looked like it wasn't doing anything different from what we had seen in other movies that take on this fairy tale creatures and modern society thing. And plus, we just kind of watched Shrek before going into Onward and I was kind of thinking maybe it'll just be like Shrek, who knows. Um, But anyways, Onward is the newest Disney movie to come out of Disney and Pixar. And this movie is about two brothers named Ian and Barley. Their dad died a long time ago before Ian was born, and so the two of them never really grew up getting to know their father much, besides Barley, who has vivid memories with him when he was a little kid. However, there is a staff that is given to Ian when he is 16 years of age, and the two boys are trying to figure out how to use the spell to bring their dad back to life. However, as they get the spell going, it only goes about halfway and brings back the pair of legs that is their dad. So, for the two of them, in order to bring back the entire full body of their dad, they have to go and get another phoenix gem on this marvelous quest in order to bring their back dad for one whole day to interact with them. So, like I said, Pixar has kind of been bad as of late. They haven't been trying their best at making original ideas, and they haven't been trying their greatest at making movies that really stick with me at the end of the day. When I saw Onward, I'm not gonna lie, I thought that this movie was good because it was at least original. It wasn't a sequel for once. Disney was trying an original idea. 
Is it a Disney Pixar movie that's going to stick with me, though, was the biggest question. And I've had about three days to think about this movie now, and quite honestly, it has not really stuck with me as much as I thought it would. I think that Pixar just kind of needs to start fleshing out the middle ground of their movies a little bit more. This is a big issue that I've had with most of their newer movies, is they always start off promising very good first acts, but that middle chunk, that entire second half, is just where Pixar falls flat. They drop the ball narratively, and they don't seem to care, and that's kind of what bothers me about this movie. However, I will say, still go see Onward because it is original. I want people to support the Disney original movies rather than the remakes because Lord knows I'm tired of the Disney live-action remakes and remakes in general. Um, so, Brian, I think this is pretty decent for Disney as of late with the Pixar company. What did you think of Onward? I, I really enjoy this movie. Um, I think... Uh, so you said that watching Shrek kind of give this gave this movie a different feel to you. Uh, originally, you saw, yeah, before we yeah. were gonna go see it, I was like, maybe it'll just be like Shrek. So and think, it's luckily not. So I think the uh, you went into the idea thinking that it might be like a ripoff of Shrek or something. No, I went into it thinking it was gonna kind of be like a raunchy Shrek type film oh. that Disney was gonna try something like that. But I luckily it's not. It's something very different, which I appreciate. See, um, I. I even though we had seen Shrek, I kind of was able to separate the two. I don't know mm -hmm. uh, what was... I think it was just because two different companies, I guess. Yeah. I was able to separate the two. I went into this thinking it was going to be like a fun kind of kids movie. Uh, I didn't have like a high expectations or really low expectations. I was kind of expected it to be kind of good. Okay. And uh, I really enjoyed it after watching it. And these few days we've been uh, like waiting after seeing it. I, I still really uh, have a, the idea in my head that it was a good movie. Okay. I've even been telling people that like they should watch it because it was uh, an enjoyable movie that I think, if it doesn't get a mainstream following, at least it might get a cult following of people who watched it the, as like kids yeah, or something. The interesting thing about this movie is that it's kind of succumbed to box office failure a little yeah. bit, and that's due to China not playing a prominent part like Disney wants, so a lot of people are kind of concerned that this movie is going to flop, and Disney may consider just doing sequels from here on out because their original movies are making a lot of money, which I would hate. That would really suck if that's the final decision Pixar makes because I would rather they go original even yeah. if the idea doesn't work. Um, so I guess to start positive with this movie, um, I really like Ian and Barley. These two characters are very interesting. So Barley is played by Chris Pratt, and he is kind of the guy that is obsessed with all of the medieval uh, yeah. world and stuff. What I like about him is he's very loud. He's very vocal. He kind of feels like Jack Black was supposed to play him sometimes, yeah. which I think that's who they wanted, but Jack Black probably turned yeah, it down. This movie might have been in the works for a while. We don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but I like Barley because he is the older brother. He's more into the magical quests and stuff, and Ian's kind of the relatable character. He's very awkward. He doesn't know how to interact with people. He's kind of shy and closed off because he never got to know his dad. And when he has the magic, Barley is pushing him to do all of these cool wizard-like stuff, but he doesn't know how to do any of it whatsoever. And yeah. he's always looking for his brother for guidance and stuff. And the two of them work really well because Barley has memories of the dad. He used to play a little beat on his shoes when he was little and stuff, but Ian has never seen him. He's only got audio recordings of him and he uses that to kind of form yeah. conversations they might have and stuff. So they set that up very good in the first stack was these two characters yeah i i genuinely uh liked the buildup of like the relationship with the even the entire family because i feel like the mm -hmm. relationship with the mom is even um, oh yeah that's good too well well uh, formed and stuff yeah uh i felt that the the brother aspect was really nice too because mm -hmm. it is kind of anyone who's had a older brother that kind of like cared for them yeah. as they were getting up uh, i feel like they would be able to latch on to that and really yeah. enjoy that a lot more than i would say you or I would, because 
Like you have, you're the oldest. I am the oldest. So yeah. uh, this movie speaks to me on a different level, which I do go over in this movie. Uh, being the oldest and not being a screw up—that is something that is very prominent in today's world. Uh, me being an older brother, I'm always looked to as the person that can't screw up in the family. So I have to go to college. I have to be successful when I'm older. I have to set an example for my little brothers. But uh, society always deems the older brother as a screw up. They're always off doing things that aren't correct and are always screwing up their lives and stuff. So example, Malcolm in the yeah, Malcolm in the middle. So. I'm trying my hardest to go out there and be a good older brother and set an example. So I kind of related to Barley a lot in this movie because he's called a screw-up. They're always telling him that he's the older brother that isn't any good like his little brother is. And so I kind of related to Barley more in this movie than I did Ian because I am an older brother and I know that I have to be the people that, you know, that look up to. Uh, see, I don't really uh, develop that good of a connection with this movie in that way because... Uh, while I do have older siblings, I don't think I would have, I have like quite the relationship okay. that is developed here. Yeah. Um, Cause this, yeah, the themes of this movie, especially are brother bonding. Brother yeah. bonding is the biggest thing about this movie. So if you have an older brother or older sister, this movie will most definitely hook you because it's got a lot of yeah. great brother bonding elements in it. Um, even if you don't have that, I feel like it, it, it you can still feel for it and get a that bit, yeah. uh, general idea. And it, it, it is like a nice family bonding movie, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, even the, like stepdad thing almost which gets uh, brought in and I feel like the people who have stepdads will be able to relate like oh he's uh, you don't like him at first and stuff yeah he's out of place yeah almost yeah um, there's like all these ideas that get represented that I feel like so many kids who are in these like minor I guess almost minority groups of people who have yeah. uh, these certain things would be able to latch onto this and really uh, dig into this movie and really like it. Yeah. Uh, another thing I'll say about this movie is it sets up the first act very nicely. So what we know from the beginning is that Ian has never known his father. He's never gotten the chance to, but would like to. He wears his dad old uh, his dad's old college sweatshirt and stuff. People always mention his dad and how great of a guy he was, and yeah. he feels like there is a gigantic hole there in his life that he never got to experience. And Barley he doesn't really play it off like it's that big of a thing. He's like, oh yeah, I played dad's, uh, like the drum on dad's shoes when I was little and stuff. I remember his face and all that, but he doesn't make a big deal about the yeah. fact that his dad is gone and all that. And he just kind of con uh, continues life all happy and stuff. And Julia uh, Dreyfus in this movie, who plays the mom, is like, he was a great guy and all that, but I want some love too as I go older and stuff, which is why she has uh, the horse steps, yeah. uh, stepfather in the, the movie that she's dating. Yeah, he's like a, uh, a centaur. Yeah, a yeah. centaur. And yeah, that's fun too, because the movie sets all of that up nicely. Like, Ian and Barley obviously don't like uh, the centaur guy because he's not their father, but at the same time, he's trying to be the father figure that I guess was never there for Ian, even though Ian doesn't care for him that much, and Barley is always constantly in trouble because he's off doing illegal things. Um, yeah. Which, yeah, that's kind of nice the way they set it up. And so when the two of them get the staff and are told, this can bring your dad back, it's great to see Barley is trying his hardest to use the spells that he's uh, like studied and stuff yeah. and like they spend a majority of the day doing that and finally when Ian picks it up it starts going and the two of them are like kind of caught off guard about it. Barley goes to help the staff or the gem explodes and only a pair of legs is left and at first they do that pair of legs thing very nicely because it's tapping around and then Barley does the doot 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 do on his foot and so the dad knows he's there and stuff and he goes and finds Ian like that first part with the legs is so nicely done that is great emotional bonding right there that you get out of the legs and the two sons and so the two of them have a reason to want to go find another phoenix gem because yeah. they want more than just a pair of legs from their dad yeah um and i i think as you i think you said as it develops you had a harder time 
a pair of legs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that is kind of what has turned a lot of people off is the pair of legs aspect of the movie. Because at first, it is set up nice. You do get the emotional resonance of it. But as the second act comes around, it's just played for laughs mostly. And that's kind of what ticks me off is that I like Pixar as a company. Well, I used to like Pixar as a company because they knew how to do emotional beats very, very well. They were the king of doing emotional moments in movie. If you have not seen the first four minutes of Up and have not cried, you're not a real human being. That is some of the saddest emotional bonding I've seen in any movie whatsoever. Uh, so I'm kind of ticked that Pixar would rather go the joke route with the legs than actually try the emotional moments because they don't really have any emotional moments with the legs until the third act, which was what kind of ticked me off because a majority of the second act, it is all jokes with the legs and they kind of take away that emotional uh, bonding that I'm supposed to feel towards those legs. So that's kind of my issue with it. Yeah, I guess uh, it kind of, in a way, it would be like how, almost with The Invisible Man, where you have to do it mm -hmm. right, otherwise you can't get it to work yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. And Pixar has always been the, the king of emotional beats, so that's kind of what bugs me about the legs. Um, but anyways, talking about the second act, like I said, Quest is set up nice, stakes are set up nice, the themes of the movie are set up nice in the first act, but with every Pixar movie nowadays, that second act is where it drops the ball, because when the Quest starts... I get very uninvested. They're making a lot of pit stops along the way that yeah, are just gonna, jokes. I was going to say that uh, we're not quite in complaints, but I was going to say yeah. that one of my issues with it was all of these stops they yes. keep making, yeah. which was one of your complaints about 1917. Oh, yeah. And uh, as I thought about this movie, I was like, I really like it, but I do have these issues of like the stops. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I think I had a few other things that I'll have to think of as we were talking about this, but that was, like, yeah. one thing where I was like, it, it would be so much better if they didn't have this uh, random, like, oh, gotta stop for gas. They could have just had it where they gassed up before they left or something. Yeah. That would, they could have made that a comedic moment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's the thing, too, is it, the second act is a lot of pit stops in favor of them wasting time that they could have with their dad, which is my biggest issue of this movie, is with this quest, they only have 24 hours, but then they spend some of it, like, at this uh, medieval castle place that's been turned into a restaurant with Octavia yeah. Spencer. Then they screw around and get gas. Then they're going off trail because Barley wants to go do this, which takes them a longer time to get a move on to go do everything everything yeah. and the end of the movie is a very nice payoff don't get me wrong but like a majority of this movie is just where the narrative drops and becomes a lot of pit stops and just jokes that's all the second act is is pit stops and jokes and not really a lot of emotional bonding moments yeah i i will say that there, there are like a couple pit stops that i'm somewhat okay with like uh when they stop at the manticore's tavern mm -hmm. uh I'm, I'm okay with that one because they do have to get the map and stuff yeah but it's it's a joke. It becomes uh, for nothing once the map gets burnt. Yeah. But luckily, the kid's map that he steals, is they're able to work from that, which is, I guess, a kind of neat way of taking that turn. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like if you got, like, a map to draw on at a restaurant, like yeah. Chuck E. Cheese or something, it's like, oh, yeah. this reminds me of the Family Guy thing mm -hmm. that I'm not going to carry on with right now. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's that. And then um, I would say... There's that whole part with, or I, uh, this one I'm not a fan of, is with the whole part when they're being chased by the cops. Yeah. I found that unnecessary. Yeah. I feel like that entire part could have just been left out because it feels like plot convenience yeah. almost. Uh, the pixie scene especially for me. I didn't yeah. like it at all. I, I, I didn't like that it. scene because it just felt like... Like, these, the Pixies could have been taken out entirely. Oh, yeah. And it would not have any effect on the plot. Because the entire thing is, oh, you stepped on me. I'm going to fight you. And then they can fly now after they couldn't fly. And it's so uh, 
pointless and yeah. dumb. And that's kind of the thing, too, is like I said, the second act is where it narratively drops the ball. And we get a lot of cliches in this, too, which I will admit, I am tired of cliches. You and I just got out of a movie that was nothing but cliches in its love story. And this movie has, of course, the two brothers are going to fight. There's going to be some argument that sets them apart. They're going to come yeah. back at the ending and come together in this big moment and stuff. There's a lot of cliches like that that involve the themes of the movie and stuff. Like, again, stepfather's out of place, but then they grow to like the stepfather by the end of their journey. Like, this movie is not doing anything different with its cliches, which is kind of what bugs me about the second act. The third act is the best part of this movie by far, and the payoff at the ending. Yeah. I don't want to give spoilers, maybe just a slight one, but you will love it for the ending especially, I, and I, how I mean, they pay I it off. I feel like we'll have to get into spoilers uh, yeah, later I guess on a little bit, yeah. Um, but the third act of this movie is very good. This is where it picks back up and yeah. the themes and narrative come back in, especially, yeah. Yeah, the third act is really good of this movie. Um, I, I guess I didn't really think about it yet, but the second act isn't the best part of this movie. Not it's really a lot of like plot convenience and a lot of stopping yeah. for necessary reasons. Uh, there's even like this whole thing of the mom trying to follow them that I feel like just but, gets yeah. left behind after that's, a certain point. That's underdeveloped as heck, which because is what Because she, she picks up the manticore, they wreck their car, the manticore starts flying her, and then suddenly they meet it back up with them yeah. really fast, out of nowhere for no reason. Yeah. Uh, that's another thing, too, that I wanted to talk about was Octavia Spencer's character, actually. Started off decent. I was like, okay, she's a manticore going through a bit of a midlife crisis with her restaurant. I'm like, that's funny because she needs good reviews to stay open. But then when the boys convince her, or I guess Barley convinces her that she's a manticore, she used to run free and own these lands and stuff, she has a mental breakdown and burns down her restaurant. And I thought that was going to be it with her, basically, because yeah. she starts, she's like, we're under renovation, we're going to make this place harder and stuff. And then Julia uh, Dreyfus comes and meets with her and tink, uh, brings her on the quest because she knows how to get this sword. But her character outside of that is kind of just played off for humor. She's the comedic relief, and there's not really a whole lot with her character besides she's the comedic relief. Which that's kind of what bugs me. Which is upsetting. Yeah. Because the Manticore is such a badass character yeah. in mythology yeah. and stuff. And you like the Manticore would be like ripping people's heads off and stuff. Yeah. And the only time the Manticore is kind of badass is when it's like angry and stuff. Yeah, it's midlife crisis. Uh, I guess there was a cool part where the man. I mean, uh, spoilers, I guess, but the Manticore's trying to get its sword back, mm -hmm. and it uses its scorpion tail to sting the pawn shop owner, which is like, I mean, that yeah. it wasn't really cool. It was just kind of convenient. Yeah, and poor Octavia Spencer. I felt like if she was going to be in this movie, she was going to have a great character. But again, it's the comedic relief, and that's about it outside of her character. Hell, she doesn't even help at the ending. It's the mom that drives the sword into the, the thing that we'll talk about in a minute. Yeah, I think she was supposed to help, but she got, like, incapacitated or something. Yeah, she gets written out entirely. It's because it boils down to the mom, Barley, and Ian at yeah, the ending. Yeah, I feel like something happened to her. She got I don't, injured or I something. I don't know what happened. But, yeah, so the mom takes the sword and... I guess uh, we'll get into that later. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the Manticore could have been a developed character a lot better, especially since they made her base basically like this soft bear character for a part of the movie. Yeah. Uh, to get back into the emotional beats of this movie and the niceness of it, um, whenever they're with uh, each other, the two boys, is when the movie is actually pretty compelling to watch because the two of them relate to how Barley kind of had a dad. Ian didn't have a dad. And slowly throughout the movie, Barley realizes that he's doing all these things that he wanted to do with his dad with, or not... Yeah, Ian learns that he's doing all these things he wanted to do with his dad with Barley, and that's a really good payoff, that he doesn't need to see his dad, his father figure 
is there for him in Barley, which is a nice lesson yeah. he learns and stuff. So that's great there. I like it when it does stuff like that. I especially love the moments where Barley is teaching Ian how to work the magic, how to yeah. set up his like arms and stuff, do the magic, make the can grow, make a giant cheese puff that they can go down on a river and stuff. Like those moments are great. The best scene, in my opinion, with the two of them is the bottomless bridge, uh, or the bottomless pit scene where uh, Ian Ian has to cross over it and the rope behind him uh, breaks off and Barley doesn't tell him and Ian manages to cross without the rope and Barley's like, see, you learned how to do it even by trusting in me and stuff. So yeah. those are like the best moments in the movie is the bonding between the brothers. That's that's what I'll say about this movie. Yeah, they um, the bonding with the brothers is really nice because that even has a good payoff at the end Yeah, that does. Uh, as well. Uh it's just that the bonding moments feel like they're entirely worn thin oh, once yeah. the comedy comes in yeah. and it doesn't land as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, that's another thing, too, that kind of bugged me was comedy-wise. Pixar used to be really funny. I don't know what's going on now at the writer's studio, but I did not laugh much in this movie. There is a scene in which Barley sends off his, his uh, minivan, basically, and it's supposed to be a joke because it's, oh, there's a unicorn on the side. It's making horse noises and stuff. I'm yeah. like, okay, is that supposed to be hilarious? Because I don't find it that hilarious. Um, the manticore scene was about the only thing I laughed at when she's burning down the restaurant. But other wow. than that, I did not laugh in this movie at all. That's kind of I, a shocker for me. I, I don't remember if I laughed or not. Yeah, that's kind of a what sucks about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I... I, I do feel like this movie definitely could have been a lot better in the comedy aspect, and really, they could have let, like, the emotional moments last a little bit longer, uh, yeah. just so the comedy would feel better once you get to it. Yeah. But it's just, it just doesn't feel good. No, not at all. Um, so I guess now we'll get into the third act. So, yeah, spoilers. Uh, spoilers from here on out if you don't want to listen. Um, so anyways... Like I said, they the mom and the manticore have to go and get the sword, obviously, and the reason they have to is because what the manticore didn't tell the boys is after they find this phoenix gem, a curse is going to occur, and yeah. what happens is this curse takes a bunch of uh, pieces of the school rubble and builds itself into a dragon-type shape, but the uh, funny thing about it is that the school mascot dragon that's got like a big smile on its face is yeah. what's supposed to look scary, and then big. it has... Funny. Yeah, big funny, basically, no. because it gets the angry eyebrows. It, yeah, that was the worst joke of the movie. Yes. and I like there were only like five or six people in the theater. I don't think one of them laughed. No, I heard people. Oh, laugh. did you hear people? Yeah, laugh? it was like it was such a cringy joke. It was because you want the dragon to look badass, and most of it did. It looked yeah. really cool. Uh, had a really nice looking design to it and everything, but then you got to the face, and it was like, okay they could go two ways with this. They could even make it, they could make it even more rubble yeah. and they could uh, make it look really cool or they could play it dumb for kids. Yeah. They played it dumb for kids yeah. and it didn't work. It looked bad and I hated it. Yeah. So uh, meanwhile, Ian is trying to spend the last remaining moments that he has with his dad, but then Barley discovers where the Phoenix gem is and he's like, okay, you need to go cast the spell. You need to bring dad back while we fight off this dragon. And so uh, Julia Dreyfus is fighting off the dragon with the sword at first. She stabs it, but doesn't get it all the way through Barley's going to fight but then Ian's like no Barley you need to stay here and see dad I'll be fine I'm gonna help yeah. mom because he sacrifices yeah. his time with his dad that he could have had and gives it to his brother yeah. because I think earlier on in the movie they say that the brother uh 
didn't say bye to his dad when he died because yeah. he had all these tubes connected to him. Yeah. So he wanted his brother to be able to say goodbye to his dad uh, like he wasn't able to before. Yeah. So anyways, uh, then Julia Dreyfus drives the sword into the cursed dragon. It explodes, obviously, and then Ian gets trapped in the rubble, and then Ian looks through a hole, and through this little peephole, he sees the dad is formed, and Barley's talking to him. Yeah. The two of them hug, and it goes away, and it's handled just so spectacularly. That's what Pixar is good at, is the subtler stuff and the emotional beats like that yeah. love that that's great like that I, I love it when they was do genuinely that. emotional where I, I like if if I had been uh, even more and like drawn into the movie I yeah. might have shed a tear oh yeah because it was an emotional scene yeah it was a very good emotional scene um yeah, I would compare the emotionalness of that scene to the Toy Story 4 uh, climax, where it's very emotional that Woody's saying goodbye to everybody, but uh, that scene does it a lot better than this one, obviously, but uh, very good how they handled it, because I figured Ian would just run up there and be like, Dad, it's me, Ian, but no, he just watches through people. He watches Barley interact, and then he goes away. Then Barley comes and tells him everything Dad told him and stuff, and Ian hugs his brother and even tells him that he's a great father figure and stuff like that that yeah. he looks up to. And then the movie ends with them cleaning the town up with magic and stuff, which was kind of funny. And then uh, it's seen that the boys are now used to the centaur in their life and stuff. Ian's learning magic with the staff because uh, he took the splinter out of his finger and yeah. made a new staff out of it, which yeah. was kind of funny. Um, well, yeah, the movie just ends kind of nicely. The two brothers uh, get another van. They can fly with it now because Ian knows how to make things levitate yeah. and stuff. And the movie ends kind of nicely, I guess, on that note. But again, that second act doesn't mean that the movie was spectacular. Yeah, I, I really like the movie um I, we already talked about complaints and stuff yeah i don't really know if, i don't have much more to say no the animation's nice the animation's I mean, really nice yeah. it is, it's very modern 3d animation mm -hmm. uh i i liked the st story the story was really nice except for that whole third or second act yeah um i do do you want to get into final thoughts i don't yeah, um, I'll touch on this, actually. Uh, Dan Scantlin directed this movie, and a lot of people know that Dan Scantlin directed Monsters University. What I will say about this movie is that I think it is a step above Monsters University, obviously, but it is also on the same tier of Monsters University as in this is a Pixar movie I'm not jumping to rewatch anytime soon because of the very poor second act, because of the poor way that it handles emotional beats and all that, like I said. So, Dan Scantlin, I think you're improving a little bit, but just try to consider your emotional themes in the movie need to play out more than the comedy because that's what really killed this movie for me because I don't have any urge to rewatch this one or Monsters University anytime soon, but I will admit this movie is a step uh, a step above Monsters University. So uh, get into your synopsis. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, I, I really like this movie for, uh, for the most part. I think this is a movie that I would genuinely like show to my niece or uh, my nephew, or and watch with them. I think they would like it. It's a very, Probably. it's a very good kids movie. I think. Um, I, I liked the animation. I liked the general story of it and the connection of the family and everything. Things I didn't like, of course, were the little pixies or the fairies or whatever they were called. The uh, what was it? Oh, shoot. Second act? Yeah, basically the entire second act, basically. The stopping all the time. Yeah. The underdevelopment of the manticore. Yeah. Uh, third act was good. Yeah. Really emotional, really enjoyable. Could have been better if the dragon face were actually kind of, like, cool or scary looking. Because mm -hmm. then it would have been, like, uh, it felt even more like a threat, but it didn't quite because of the face. Yeah. Uh, I would say this is, like, a 7 out of 10 for me. Okay. 
Uh, so yeah, like I said, this movie could have really been one of Pixar's best, but again, it's kind of succumbing to some Pixar problems that I'm having nowadays, which is they prefer their comedy over their emotional beats now. Um, so like I said, I think Ian and Barley are very good characters in this movie. I think they're obviously two of the best characters that I've gotten to see originally from Pixar. I think the animation is nice. I think the dynamics of the brother bonding of this movie are very nice. I think the third act is very nice. I like the animation, obviously. Um, if I had any complaints, like I said, the entire second act I don't like because it just feels like the narrative gets dropped really hard there it becomes a bunch of jokes and it doesn't really focus on the emotional beats like it should the third act is a very good payoff but like you said the dragon makes it feel goofy the comedy of this movie is not really that great that's again something that i kind of commented on i didn't really laugh with this movie um the manticore is severely underdeveloped she really could have been a very cool character and again the legs the legs is probably the biggest thing for me it starts off very nice with the emotional significance but they drop the emotional beats of the legs in service of comedy which again bugs me because Pixar should be more mature when doing that type of stuff, especially as a company that prides themselves on making films that stick with you emotionally. So uh, this movie is getting a 6 out of 10 from me. I really wish this movie was a lot better, but I get it. I don't know what's going on over there at Disney, but it feels like they're kind of losing the touch that they once had, which is why I'm really hoping that Pete Dr. Soul is going to be very good because he has never made a bad Pixar movie, in my opinion. So I really hope Soul is good. If it isn't, it's going to bug me a ton. But, yeah, that's our final thoughts on Arden, yeah. Onward, I guess. I don't have much more to say. Yeah. So, anyways. Go watch it. Yeah, go watch it because it, it's original. That's what I'll say. If yeah. you don't. It's still you, a good movie. Yeah. Uh, if you don't like Disney at all because they make remakes and stuff, uh, I would still see this movie because at least it's original. It's not great, obviously, but I still see it because it is original. I'd rather you support the original Disney movies than the remakes. So, yes, yeah. do go see it. Um, but other than that, we'll be back with maybe... I don't know, Bloodshot the Hunt, anything like that. We'll see. And then a quiet and, yeah, and then a quiet place too in Mulan, obviously. But thank you guys for listening. We shall see you with the next movie. So the next film on the agenda is obviously Bloodshot. Um, this movie got a few limited trailers uh, over the start of January, kinda, and not gonna lie, this movie did not look very good. Um, I have only ever read, like, one of the Bloodshot comics, and honestly, I'm not huge into Bloodshot. Obviously, he's not, like, a hero that I would necessarily call one of my favorites or anything because he's kind of just, like, a one-hit comic kind of thing. He was a cool concept and stuff, but um, I still think he deserved a little bit of justice if they were gonna make a movie for him. So, when I saw that the robotic Vin Diesel was cast as him, I immediately knew this movie was not going to be as good as it could because... I don't think anybody's going to be offended when I say Vin Diesel's not that great of an actor. He legit has, like, no range to his acting, which is kind of what ticks me off. He's going to always be the stone-cold, pissed-off guy, and he's always going to talk in that talk, or like that really tough, gruff voice and stuff. Like, there's nothing to him as an actor that makes him stand out from others and stuff. It's not like The Rock, where The Rock has the funny, comedic range on him and stuff. Uh, I, it's kind of like John Cena is what he reminds me a little bit of. Like, John Cena can be not really always that great. He's more comedic than he is tough, obviously, which... Yeah, that's kind of the fair point that I would give to him, but, um, Vin Diesel and this movie, I was not hooked for it, and honestly, I gotta say, after watching it, it's kind of what I expected. It's not great, it's not terrible, I would say, it kind of falls in that meh tier for me where I'm just like, this was the most meh movie I probably watched in quite some time because... I really did not care about this movie at all. There's nothing to take away from it that's going to make me remember it in like a month or two. Like, this is one of the most throwaway movies I've ever watched so far. This, to me, just kind of felt like another superhero movie. 
which I kind of went into this uh, thinking like, oh, superhero movie, uh, that's what my expectations are at right now, and I got what I wanted. <laughs> yeah, um, so this movie is all about Vin Diesel, uh, he played a soldier that uh, got killed, and he wakes up in this reanimation lab and stuff where he has uh, basically some uh, nanobots that are in his bloodstream yeah. that heal him and basically make him almost indestructible, like when he gets shot, like the nanobots rebuild his flesh and stuff like that, and so he goes on a revenge quest to kill this guy that uh, killed his wife, um, but he starts to realize that this company that brought him back is slowly messing with with him and so he has to kind of unravel this mystery that is the company in the movie um if i had to start positive uh before i get into everything i don't like about this movie and why i don't think it's very memorable um i would say the concept is cool i like the concept of not having control of your own body i like those types of concepts because uh one of my favorite movies that did this concept very well is upgrade uh that whole movie is about a micro trip uh that controls a dude's actions and stuff uh venom is like the worst example i could give of something controlling a dude's body where it's not funny and it's not really done in any comedic or clever ways or anything like upgrade is the best example but i can M &M. think did the song for it yeah therefore venom is a masterpiece yeah it must be a masterpiece um but i like the concepts like this where you can't control your own body where you have some superhuman strength where you're being manipulated and you kind of uh, uh figure out what's going on within the company or organization you work with like that's a cool concept and the movie kind of runs away with that and stuff because guy pierce is making literally like a, a scripted performance of everything yeah. that's going to happen so he will go and kill the guy that they have on their hit list and stuff which is really cool um i like the futuristic tech aspect of the movie too i think it's neat that this movie like showed off the different tech that uh bloodshots universe has obviously the nanobots uh the one chick has like uh what what did they it's, call it like, i don't remember what it was but it was basically a thing yeah like on her uh, it was like a respirator because, almost yeah kind of because she uh lost her breathing functionality so they built this little thing to uh, for her yeah so she could actually breathe and yeah yeah the whole thing is like all of these things that they have this guy can just shut down at any time so they're mm -hmm. basically doing yeah. things at his will uh yeah another guy was uh is blind because an ied blew up on his face um so he has these cameras that are all across this little chest that allows him to see pretty much everything that's going on around him yeah. which was kind of a cool thing uh then one guy just gets bionic legs which i was kind of like Okay, I mean, that's yeah. it's been done before in other movies. I'm, like, not really impressed by this. Um, He can run fast, but even then, like, Bionic Legs do the same thing for most movies. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I, got, I thought the tech aspect was really cool of it. I liked Guy Pierce for the most part when he didn't feel like generic billionaire bad guy, which was kind of an issue I had was his entire villain is just generic billionaire bad guy. There's not really much more to him. Yeah. Um, even the two people that work for him don't really feel like fleshed out bad guys. They just feel more like henchmen goons that are super enhanced. They don't even really feel like final boss villains that you'd see in a Marvel movie or a no. DC movie. They just kind of feel thrown in there at the ending like, oh, hey, we got a job to do. We got to go beat up Vin Diesel. And that's about it. Um, what else would I say positive wise? I thought all of the acting was decent to good outside of Vin Diesel. I thought that they all did a pretty good job. I don't yeah. know about you. Um, I'll say that for the most part, the movie did look pretty good. When it wasn't doing its CGI action, yeah. that just the, looked The terrible. CG was... The CG, like the when they were running and stuff, it just looked so Spider-Man 2002. Yeah, uh, a lot of the CG in this movie does not look great. Um, 
And it was there like, are times where like you can clearly tell it's a PS2 looking Vin Diesel and a PS2 henchman he's beating up, or yeah. like when he's getting shot in the face, it looks very unrealistic. It looks yeah. very, very fake and tacked on. The action scenes especially kind of tick me off because you can't tell what's going on a majority of the time. And like when you do action, when you choreograph action scenes, you want to be able to see what your heroes are doing. You want to be uh you want to be able to see how they're punching them, how they're knocking them down a peg. But in this movie, you can't tell what's going on because the camera is cutting everywhere it's shaking around everything is moving so fast that you can't tell who's hooting who or who's doing what legit the beginning of the movie where vin diesel is fighting those two guys in a bathroom you can't tell what's going on i think at one point he picked up a guy and suplexed him through a uh, like a kitchen sink i know that that's one, about it i know that one guy got his head like bashed through i think that's what happened or something yeah um I would say that I, I didn't have a horrible issue with the action because it all looked pretty same terrible. To I, I hated it. Kind of reminded me of Angel Has Fallen. Just, just the samey action that we've been seeing in movies nowadays. Uh, Vin Diesel, when he wasn't trying to act, was pretty good. He was pretty good at playing this badass guy, I guess. Uh, like I said, Vin if, Diesel don't have a shred of acting talent on If his body. you didn't have him talking, if you made him like a mute character, yeah. I think he'd be good. I I feel like he could be a pretty good action, uh, like spooky, scary action guy who's intimidating and everything. Yeah, if he doesn't talk. If, if he doesn't talk. But when he opens his mouth, it's, you know nothing about men like kinda, me. Kind of sounds like Yoda yeah. or Kermit. Kermit the Frog. If he smoked, uh, pack every two hours yeah and that too it's like whenever vin diesel tries to act in this movie or be intimidating it's goofy he has no range as an actor to where he's either just constantly pissed off or when he tries to get emotional his voice resorts to this and i'm just like okay yeah. is that supposed to be intimidating because i'm not really intimidated by it uh yeah i'm not horribly impressed with his acting ever yeah like the the best he ever is with his acting is when he's in like the iron giant or playing Groot. yeah when he's in he's... a role where it kind of fits the personality he has. yeah but like other than that i'm not impressed at all with him as an actor yeah it, it, uh... yeah um another thing that kind of bothers me about this movie is it's very cliche we have been seeing a lot of cliche movies as of late um yeah again character wakes up doesn't know where he is he's being manipulated by x character or corporation he's going to slowly discover the corporation has been lying to him this whole time he's going to fight the bad guy and or bad guys at the ending that have been tricking him the entire time then he's going to go free as a character possibly live happily ever after or not because there have been some movies that don't end happy which i kind of appreciate but this one has its family ending for vin diesel because again if vin diesel's in a movie it's gonna be a family movie what about guardians of the galaxy that's a family movie about the Iron Giant. That's a family movie. It's a family. It's a family picture. Uh, yeah, I would say that the ending was probably one of the more could have been better things about it because that was the most cliche I'd ever seen. It, where he wakes up with the girl and drives off into the sunset. Him waking up in the thing in Mahershala Ali. It was that's Mahershala Ali. Right? No, it's oh not. fuck. <laughs> Who uh, is it? I don't know. It was not Mahershala Ali. Lamorne Morris. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Yo, that. <laughs> Mahershala, he didn't mean it. He's sorry. Um, I, he, I think the hat, man. It was oh, the, the hat. hat. The hat threw you off. It, it looks like the penis hat that you wore at the Oscars. Oh, yeah. Um, it yeah. threw me off. Yeah. Um, another thing that <laughs> yeah, kind of uh, bugged me about this movie is uh, the way it handles slow-mo scenes. Now, I think you can do a slow-mo scene well 
It's just this movie doesn't really understand slow-mo scenes that well because, like, if there's fast-paced action and it slows down and you can tell it looks like a PS2 cutscene, you're not doing your action correctly because you're making it look way too obvious in the slow-mo. Uh, what I like about most movies, like, if John Wick utilizes a slow-mo, it's usually him reloading a weapon or something. Like, yeah, you're going to draw intensity to that. It doesn't look fake. Yeah, it makes it look practical. But the thing that sucks about this movie is when it slows down, it goes more the CG route where it looks really fake than actually trying to show, like, a practical way of why slow-mo should be used in that sequence. Yeah. Uh... I honestly, I want. I'm just excited to get onto the next movie that we're gonna talk yeah, about. Yeah, so uh, Bloodshot. I wouldn't recommend you see it. I, I would say I, I didn't like it at all. If you're looking for a mindless movie to watch, to just kind of pass time, uh, this could be a good movie to throw on. Maybe like in the background when it comes out on uh, Netflix or something. Put it yeah. on in the background. It's it a like yeah. It's a movie that Sony threw limited X amount of money at, hoped it made profit. Probably won't make a lot of bank. Obviously, like I don't know. This is another Sony movie I'm gonna forget about by the end of the year. And I feel like Sony has already put out so many movies this year. I've forgotten at this point where I'm just like, what are you doing, Sony? You're supposed to be making money, not wasting money. So yeah, that's this movie kind of is just yeah. meh. I. Uh, I guess I'll get into my synopsis. Um, like I said, Vin Diesel's the worst part of this movie. When he does open his mouth and try to act, it's pretty bad. He doesn't have a shred of acting talent on his body. If he was more silent, maybe he'd be a cool character. Um, the CGI is not very good. The action is not very good. The slow-mo sequences are not very good. This is such a cliche story that's been done to death. Even the ending is super cliche. I like the idea of a corporation screwing with you. I like that some characters get manipulated in this movie. Um, I guess I like Guy Pierce somewhat when he wasn't just big generic uh, billionaire bad guy. I like the tech aspects of the movie. I think the world it plays in could have been interesting, but uh, this is just a very, very meh 4 out of 10, I think. Uh, I thought this movie was kind of just an, uh, felt like a movie that where people were like, hey, superheroes are cool now, right? Let's make a superhero movie as fast as we can, uh, with, I don't even know what the budget was for this movie. It was probably I'm assuming Sony. from the look of the CGI, it wasn't high. Yeah, which I don't understand, because if Sony is going to make superhero movies, why not throw the high budget? Because Marvel does that, and they make bank because their movies look pretty good, like, Remember when Venom made Spider-Man? Yeah, like, Venom looks terrible. It hasn't aged well at all. Um, this Morbius movie ain't looking like it's going to have greatly aged CGI so far. Like, Sony, the reason the Marvel movies make bank is they throw money at their art department. They want the movies to look pretty nice. What are you doing? I, I don't understand that. Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't really have much else to say about this movie that we haven't already said. I think I'm going to give it, like, a four or five i'm not sure okay yeah that being said that will conclude bloodshot we'll move now into the hunt Okay, so welcome to the newest controversial movie that is going to get a lot of unnecessary publicity by the time that it comes out, and a lot of political aspects of the world are going to be like, oh, I hate this movie because it says something about my political party, and then the other one's going to be like, oh, I hate this movie too because it says something about my political party, and the two of them are going to fight over if this People movie... People in the middle are going to be like, I like this movie yeah. because it makes fun of both um, sides. The two of them are going to go at each other for a while, and they're going to deem this movie whatever they want to call it. They can give it whatever name or whatever tagline, like, don't see this this movie don't support it because it makes fun of my ideology and whatever politician tells me I should believe in, I should believe in. So why are you, why are you talking like J. Jonah Jameson? 
I don't know. Give me Spider-Man pictures. Um, Spider-Man. Yeah, so The Hunt. Uh, I remember this was coming out last year, um, but because of a school shooting that had happened, they said they were going to delay it till next year because there was, like, a, a, an entire, like, string of school shootings that were happening at that point. Uh, yeah, a lot of... I didn't... I Googled that. This there were America. I know. that There were a lot of school shootings last year. It kind of shocked me. Um, but the thing, uh, the thing about this movie that really shocked me was that after watching it, it's not even that bad to the point of where I don't know why it was delayed. Because when I look at this movie, I just kind of go... I think it's out of respect. It might have been out of respect. But I just look at this movie and go, what's so, like, offensive about it besides the political aspect of it? And yeah, people are getting shot left and right. It's very it's, gory. I think it's the bluntness of the uh, gore of the kills and stuff in it. Could that be. That make it so people were like, oh, we gotta kind of keep this one to the wayside for a while which i'm fine with it because i honestly didn't even know about it yeah coming out last year um i remember blumhouse had said this was going to be one of their most talked about movies and I uh see it. yeah i can understand why because um let Nobody's me just talking about black christmas yeah let me just say if you're very conservative like you're far right conservative or you are liberal, liberal yeah far left liberal you're gonna hate this movie if you can't put your differences aside. Unless you have a brain. Yeah. Um, if you can't put your differences aside about your political opinions and watch this movie, then you're gonna hate it because it is bashing both sides pretty hard in this movie. And I kind of appreciate that because most movies nowadays will just pick a side and bash the one side. This movie doesn't pick either side. It holds its middle ground and makes fun of both of them equally, which is why I can understand why critics are divided on this movie right now because some of them are far right Christian movie reviewers, some it's of them are far left Christian movie reviewers viewers some of them are just regular reviewers like yeah. it's pretty crazy to think about what's going on right now in the world where we can't even just review a movie if it's good or bad because our political opinions get in yeah. front of it which is kind of stupid uh 54 percent on rotten tomatoes which oh, i feel like that is. makes sense because it's very like that's a very down the middle score almost mm -hmm. 5.8 out of 10 on imdb that's yeah. the only ratings i'm seeing and i honestly I, I'm upset that it's not higher, but at the same time, it makes sense because that's the people that they're getting. To yeah. <laughs> uh, another thing that kind of is interesting about this movie is the fact it's that... Yeah, it's actually good um, in a sense of I was very impressed with the end product of this because when we yeah. saw the trailer, the two of us were like, uh-oh. We, we thought it was going to be a political uh, bashing movie. Yeah. In a way, it kind of was, but yeah. it was funny about it. Yeah. Um, it was actually good. Yeah. I wouldn't I, even classify this as a regular horror movie, which is weird for Blumhouse. No, this this is such an over-the-top fun ride where I just yeah. kind of shut off my brain and enjoyed what it was doing. Um... This isn't, like, the best movie I've seen this year or anything. I think it's going to be a while till I get into the meat and teeth of what's really good this year. Um, I, I think this movie is still good on a lot of levels. Um, I think there is room for improvement, obviously, with every Blumhouse film. But uh, this movie does a very, very good job taking this middle ground project and actually presenting it in a really nice way. Uh, if I had to start par uh, positive, first off, it's actually shot extremely well and yeah. edited extremely well. Uh, most Blumhouse films that come from Sony are just not really edited well together they're very very poor in the cinematography field um but with universal i think universal cares about 
the end product of their movies and stuff, so that's why you see there's more care and passion yeah. put into the Blumhouse side of it. Why Halloween 2018 flows really well, and why The Invisible Man that came out in February flows really well, and that's kind of why, is they care about the end products of their movies. Yeah. I still think the best editing has to be Upgrade. That's probably the best movie that they edited. Um, Get Out is also a very well-edited movie and stuff. Like, there are a lot of great movies out there on the Universal part to where it looks really nice, and while I wouldn't say this is, like, up there with those, I do think this is still a very well-edited movie. Yeah, I would say that uh, this movie, the pacing of it is very easy to yeah. find. Till a certain point, it's very, like, solid, very in the moment and stuff. Yeah. That uh, gets you... Honestly, it gets you to feeling in the movie. Yeah. Which I would say most Blumhouse movies don't get. Yeah. Perfect example is Fantasy Island. Yeah. Um, nobody's talking about. Yeah. Uh, the action of this movie. Very impressed with it. Um, a lot of gore, yeah. a lot of kills that I was not expecting. Um, most of the time when I think Blumhouse, I don't think good action direction in their movies, but somehow this movie does very good in its action field and in the choreography, especially the end fight was very well yeah. choreographed. Um, this movie really impressed me, though, with uh, the blood in it, because first off, I did not expect this movie to get as gory as it did. Holy smokes, was the gore played off for laughs most of the time, but yeah. it worked so effectively to where I didn't really care. I, 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 I genuinely thought it was funny. Yeah. Oh, like, they got this relatively big-name actress. Uh, Emma Roberts is her name? Yeah, uh, uh, Emma something. Emma Roberts, yeah. yeah. She's, like, a bigger-name actress. A lot of people know her. She's not even in the movie, like, a full ten minutes, I don't No, think. and, yeah, a lot of stars that are in the they movie... They got, like, bigger-name people yeah. for this. And they just killed a lot of them off really fast. Yeah. I thought that was great, because in a trailer, it made you seem like, oh, they're going to be around a long time. They're going to yeah. be, like, the main characters. The only solid, like, character that stays around is uh, Betty Gilpin. Yeah, yeah, the main character. Yeah, and she's, like, a badass yeah. character. She's kind of a... Uh, Survivalist. Yeah, her character in the movie is the most interesting because she is so off about everything and the way she handles herself because she kind of plays herself like a dumb redneck and I kind of love that aspect of kind it. Kind of reminds me of like Forrest Gump. A little bit, yeah. Where it's like I'm just doing things but she's like the smart Forrest yeah. Gump. Uh, but like that's genuinely what it reminded me of because she's just like doing these things doing what she can to survive but at the same time she knows that this is all wrong. Yeah, very wrong what they're doing. Um, yeah, the, the gore of it, though, is something that really uh, shocked me because even in the opening where uh, this girl... Uh, that uh, Emma Roberts gets shot in the dome. I was just like, holy yeah, she's crap. She's sitting there with this guy that uh, I think she's, I think they're supposed to be like, oh, they might have a relationship later on in the movie. They're like hinting at that. Yeah. They're sitting there behind the crate. She gets shot in the head right yeah. through. Head explodes. The guy's got like blood on his face and he's like freaks out of this for a second and then he starts to get serious. The guy dies not even yeah. five minutes after that, and it's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, um, the movie also has another kill that I really enjoyed where this girl that uh, fell into a, <laughs> a spike pit, a uh, guy pulls her out, they go, he steps on a landmine, they explode, and she gets shot back into the pit, back impaled on it. I thought that was a really and funny she's cut one. In half. Yeah, that, that was a really funny uh, moment yeah. in the movie. Uh, and then the, like, the goofy kind of looking guy who, look, he's the guy that you've seen in movies, but you can never say his, uh, what his name is. Yeah. That goofy looking guy he comes over and he's like oh i'm gonna help you come on uh, i'll pull you out 
and uh, she's like, just give me your gun, kills herself right in front of him. Yeah, that was that was one of the creep, uh, craziest kills yeah. in the movie. Um, but yeah, Gore is really played for laughs a lot in this movie. Like, this old couple that runs the gas station are just kind of, like, talking normally over the fact that they've just murdered these people yeah. and stuff, and the two of them have, like, set uh, poison stuff in their uh, little truck stop, basically, and all yeah. that, and their packs of cigarettes are empty and stuff like that. Like, they have all of this planned out, but they still act like a mom-pa restaurant and stuff. Yeah. Um, another thing that I really enjoyed about this movie was uh, the small characters there were, which, again, characterization was kind of poor in this movie. Um, the one Aside from, I would say, the main... Betty Gilpin, character, obviously, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, the characters that show up in this movie are kind of wacky and zany, so this Gary guy we get introduced is kind of like an Alex Jones conspiracy-type character. Yeah. He has a podcast where he was talking about these uh, liberal uh, elitists that yeah. bring them into the forest and kill them and stuff, and his character is kind of not really thinking straight because he's like oh these immigrants on the train are sneaking into the country we got to get them out of my country and stuff like that and then uh he, the one guy keeps toying with him that's faking being uh one of those immigrants and stuff yeah. and he even blows one of them up for some reason he's like oh i'm getting so uh, tired of this it's, it's the same guy that's messing with yeah, him, yeah, saying, yeah, yeah uh like talking in english and then yeah uh speaking i don't know what language it does yeah it keeps messing with him he's messing bit. with him and then he just tackles the guy and says i'm not your buddy yeah takes one of the guy's grenades and just shoves it down his pants and uh, blows him up <laughs> runs away and the guy blows up yeah uh, uh we don't see gary again after that for, uh, for a little bit yeah um yeah an army character uh in this or he's an, a retired army veteran in this movie very old man uh he's another character that's introduced in the movie kind of was like the more peaceful version of gary because he was not really like preaching his views explicitly as oh, much yeah. as uh gary was obviously and that's why i liked his character a little more even though he's not around very long obviously um a lot of the characters in the beginning i would say i couldn't even care less about and that's what kind of sucks is the beginning of this movie does take a very long time for you to start caring because it's just needless killing where i was just like okay this is probably going to be a movie where there's no main character uh where it just keeps killing people off but then we follow betty gilpin the rest of the movie i was like yeah. okay that just takes a very long time to get to um another thing about this movie that interested me was the way that it portrayed these liberal elitists that are hunting them down I thought they were going to do it kind of either distastefully or tastefully. It's kind of a bit of both because yeah. they're poking fun not only at liberals themselves a little bit, which they do the same with conservatives a ton in this movie. Like yeah. two of the main or two of the characters that follow Betty Gilpin are super conservative. But uh, the way they kind of poke fun at it and stuff, we both kind of laughed at was like uh, one guy is like, uh, come on, you guys. And this girl goes, guys, he's like, sorry, I, I meant girls and guys. I misgendered something like that. Yeah. Um, what was the one you were pointing out that you liked? Oh, God. You're putting me on the spot now. Oh, um, sorry. Um, yeah, but then, like, uh, Glenn Howerton's character is talking about how uh, the one guy went down to Haiti and stuff and was going to cure AIDS and all that, and he stayed yeah. in the favela or whatever, and he got a wife, uh, or he got a girl pregnant down there and stuff, and then uh, he kind of talks about how they're really rich and stuff and about how not all, you know, rich uh, liberals are elitist or anything like yeah. that, even though they act elitist the entire movie, which is kind of funny. It, it, it's basically just taking the entire, like, far-left... Uh, liberal spectrum and being like uh this is all the dumb things that you guys yeah. do we're putting them out there hopefully you either realize how dumb they are yeah or you just hate this movie yeah and even on the conservative side of it again like i said gary is like an alex jones type character he thinks the government is up to this he thinks yeah. the liberals are to blame on everything he uh thinks that these refugees don't deserve a better life in america they deserve to go back to uh to the place they came from they're terrible people they're all terrorists even though one of them's holding a baby and he's like well yeah that's a staged baby 
they just it's want a, you to look at that. Yeah, it's a, a crisis actor. Yeah, crisis actors, crisis acting baby, which yeah. is what he says. Uh, even the old man in the movie is kind of like, oh, well, all liberals know how to do is make people like us go away. All they do want to do is silence us and stuff like that when we have a right to free speech like anybody else does. And uh, even the movie will poke fun at Donald Trump. The beginning is poking fun at yeah, Donald Trump it, through I a text message. I didn't think after that point, I don't think it really made fun of no, him No, not much. much anymore, but I knew a Trump joke would get thrown in there, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it, it pokes fun at conservatives, it pokes fun at liberals, it does a very good job in that regard. Um, Betty Gilpin's character, though, I want to dive into her a little bit. Like I said, she kind of gives me, like, that, uh, off-redneckish type character, but is also a badass, like you said. Uh, yeah. because the first time we see her in the movie is when she Almost wanders... Almost like the bride from yeah, Kill Bill. a little bit, yeah. Um, she walks into the gas station, she's like, I'll take a pack of cigs, the, the ma gives it to her, but she gives back, I think it was like $10 and change, yeah. and she stares at it and kind of knows something's up, and she hops over the counter, takes the gun, shoots well, the, well... Tells her that, uh... The, the woman we don't have to explain it like on the dot though i know i was just gonna say that okay. uh they say that they're in arkansas and mm-hmm. the woman gives her the change back and she says oh well uh cigarettes are in arkansas are like this much and yeah. she only gave her this much money back so that's how she knows that they're yeah. lying to her and they're like doing this whole thing yeah she hops over the counter shoots the one dude and then uh shoots the other chick and then of course before she shoots one chick she says what you said yeah like it only costs six bucks for yeah. cigarettes in arkansas uh, another moment that she's very very smart in the movie is that she knows this train is coming she feels the vibrations knows what site she's like how fast can you run and the gary guy is like what i don't know what you're talking about so they get on the train she plays dumb a little bit she meets the don guy and stuff uh then they're picked up by a u.s embassy ambassador and he's yeah. kind of like well you guys must have done something then right like there's a reason you have to be out here and he's trying to get them to almost admit it she catches on it very quick because she like uh she grabs the handles yeah that, uh, most cars will have kind of like lifts her legs up and spins herself and just kicks the guy yeah. out of the car and yeah. takes over uh the wheel and then just uh reverses back and runs right over his head yeah uh she's very very smart in this movie obviously because she lasts her way to the ending where she confronts yeah. the main chick that's behind this obviously um but yeah, Betty Gilpin's character was very, very good. Action's very, very good. Uh, camera work is especially very great. Um, everything that I've said so far is pretty much true. Like, every aspect we've talked about in this movie is very good so far. Um, yeah. The weaker elements for me started to come towards the third act. So, this the one thing I liked about the movie was the mystery behind what's really going on. That's one thing that I appreciated about the movie was it wasn't devolving into is it truly liberals that are behind this or is it truly this that's the reason why they're all out here and stuff and I love that mystery but the third act drops all of that immediately and we're introduced to this uh, one chick that was in the message thread at the beginning talking about like Donald Trump uh, and then she was talking about the hunt well obviously everybody caught on to this leak and stuff and now we're talking about it so like over a thousand people posted about it and stuff and so yes the liberals did basically grab all these conservatives online and throw them out there to hunt which i don't really like because i again enjoy the mystery so much of it like would you really blame liberals would you really blame conservatives like i i don't like the fact that that's kind of the moment where the movie shifts like no it is liberals obviously which i was kind of like well you played such a good like playing field obviously i I would say uh once you start to get the like the thing with her and the bunker killing all yeah. the liberals that's when i uh, would say it's more obvious that oh it is the liberals who are doing this yeah which it was so fair at playing it kind of like both sides throughout a majority of the film but that when it takes like the conservative side a little bit at the ending it's like oh wow yeah, i guess it was going for that kind of ending where it's like yes this group of people is to blame about the killing yeah um 
and their whole thing was like the liberal elitists were basically doing what you wouldn't normally expect them to do. Yeah. Which I think is just uh, a funny social commentary on yeah, their part. Yeah, very much. Uh, I, I would say that once I figured that whole thing out, I, I didn't necessarily have an issue with it, even though it was relatively on the nose. Yeah, kind of. Uh, it just wasn't, yeah. like, to me as big of a deal but it was still on the nose and, like, yeah. became obvious to the um, point. Yeah, characterization's pretty poor in this movie, too, outside of Betty Gilpin. I like Betty Gilpin. think she's obviously the best part of the movie, but the villain we don't even get enough time to, like, establish. She's just kind of thrown into the third act, which, again, kind of sucks that I kind of would have liked more development for her as the movie went on because you only hear her through, like, talking on the radio to other people or orchestrating it. But other than that, you don't get to know her a lot as a villain, which kind of sucks, which in the end I was kind of like, okay, it's right for her to kill this girl but at the same time you don't get to know her much as a villain besides her spewing all the exposition at the ending um which yeah there's a lot of exposition in the third act too which i wasn't really a big fan of because she kind of spews out everything and the reason everything happens in the movie at the ending which kind of feels like that's where they wanted to blow their load just to get the final action scene on because it's actually a misunderstanding betty gilpin's character shares the same name as another redneck user online and so she's like i'm not that same chick i sometimes get her mail by mistake and she's like oh crap so then the two of them kind of fight about it. and she's, Well, at first she thinks she's lying. Yeah, obviously. Uh, so they start to do the, like, the basically the really cool, really nice choreographed fight. Yeah. That, uh, again, reminded me a lot of, like, Kill Bill almost. Mm -hmm, yeah. Um, this entire sequence of the movie is one of the better parts. Like, it's not the best part, but it's one of the better parts of it. The action scene, yeah. Because they're not using guns, really. Mm -mm. There is a gun brought out and shot at least once, I think. Yeah. But after that, it's like it, they're relying on either like sharp objects or full-on just brute force like fighting each other. Yeah. Which I liked because I I would prefer that kind of fight in a movie like this. I, I like the the guns and stuff was it was uh, allowed for the movie yeah. to get its point across. But once it got to that point where it was her versus the main villain, basically, yeah. I liked that it took the time to do the full-on, like, fist fight. Yeah. And I wish everything that was leading up to that was more clean in between. That kind of feels like where Blumhouse was kind of told, hey, you need to shove this as to why you're watching the movie, why these characters did that, why the one girl's motivation was this and stuff. It feels like that's all just kind of thrown in there at the ending. So they're like, okay, here's everything you need to know before we go into this big action-packed yeah. third act. Because the action-packed third act, very good. It's very, very good. But it's just everything they wanted to shove before that is just so sloppily handled, and I don't like that. Yeah, I'll say that the uh, basically... After uh, Betty Gilpin finds out where she's supposed to go and starts to go there, it cuts off and says one year earlier. Yeah. And that's when, like, Athena, the main villain, basically, that's when we learn all of her stuff. And I was kind of like, okay, this destroys the pacing of the movie a little Very bit. Very much. It is going for the whole survivalist, like, trying to get what she needs to do. Yeah. And then that just goes, boom, stop. You're cutting it off for this other stuff that we need to explain to you that we could have done earlier or mm -hmm. yeah not at all I yeah. guess and even like I said characterization is something that's very poor in this movie outside of Betty Gilpin because you don't get to know your villain you barely know the side characters and the two that they do have they're just kind of again exposition dumps like oh I run a podcast I'm very conservative I do this and then the one old man shows up and he's like yeah I also am very conservative and do this it's just like they say what their characters are rather than like learning about them as the movie goes on and that's another thing that kind of sucks too is like characterization is played more in the characters say what they are than actually through their actions and learning about them which that's kind of what glenn howerton is 
he basically says, yeah, he's a liberal elite. He doesn't care that these people are dying. That's what a majority of people in the bunker say, which is why you can't really get invested into them as villains or characters much because, again, they don't really have character to them. They're just more or less exposition dumps saying what they are rather than conveying what they are as a character. They're, they're basically the cronies. Yeah, for... which kind of sucks. Yeah, uh, I, I will say that it would have been maybe nicer to have more development from each character, mm-hmm. but understanding what it was going for... Uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily it destroys the movie for me. It wouldn't. It doesn't destroy it, but I love character development. Uh, yeah. Obviously, I'm huge on that. I think if your movie doesn't have character development, you really kind of suck as a movie. You're really bad as a filmmaker. So I wouldn't say the filmmakers of this movie are bad at all, but they did a pretty nice job with what they could. It's just more characterization, less sloppy third act, less exposition, getting to know the villain more, obviously. Like, those things are more important than, you know, obviously cool action or anything like that. Like, your story has to play out very nice pace-wise which movies started off like that obviously and then like you said when everything is dumped in there like that's where it becomes really sloppy yeah i don't know i don't really know if i have any more else to say about this movie no not really so you get into your synopsis uh everything i said basically it, that when it cuts off and does goes into the um that one year earlier thing and does that whole i don't even know how long this section is that just kind of kills the pacing of the movie for me. Uh, I do like how those few characters that we had that were kind of bigger name people just got killed off right away. I thought that was uh, kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, I would say that Gary, I kind of hoped would have been developed more, and Don, I wasn't so much on because he felt like more of a throwaway character. But I felt like they were going to do very much. I felt like they were going to do so much more with Gary, and then they just he just goes away after that one point and I, I, I was upset by that because I feel like he could have been a like, good like dumb character or yeah. something uh, I liked the main character Betty Gilpin I liked for the most part I thought the villain was uh, pretty good I, I didn't think it was the greatest thing in the world but I thought it was pretty good I uh, liked the action I would say the blunt uh, kills in this movie are great I think I'm going to give this like a 7 out of 10. Okay. Uh, Another thing that I will say about this movie is that if you do go see it, make sure you go with somebody that isn't going to be offended. Just make sure you have somebody. Yeah, or go alone. Which, if you go to a movie theater alone, people may laugh at you, but hey, maybe they won't. Maybe you'll go to like a late night showing, which would be better. Nothing wrong with going to a theater alone. I'm going to be a sad old man. Nothing wrong with going to a theater alone, man. Nothing wrong at all. You're just watching a movie. Yeah. Just alone. Um, but yeah, my synopsis would be uh, action's very good. Uh, the editing is very good. The pacing that starts off this movie is very good. Uh, everything that we kind of went over is very good. Uh, like I said, characterization could have been a lot better. The villain is not very well fleshed out in this movie. A lot of it in the third act is just exposition dump and then flashback sequence and all that. Uh, this movie really, though, is very good from Blumhouse as a company. I can't wait to see what Blumhouse Universal does next because honestly, this was kind of a treat to watch. This was a movie that I would consider re-watching with people on both sides of the spectrum just to see if they get really ticked off about it and stuff um but yeah i think i would give this movie a very uh light seven out of ten i did like this movie so yeah so that concludes this like we said it may be a little while till we're back uh right now it's kind of hard to pinpoint because everything is getting delayed and shut down currently so if this is the last podcast for a while we're not done don't think that we just quit because maybe we gave up uh we just don't have anything to see out right now so that being said uh anything else to say Check out my podcast, I guess, because we're going to be doing a few more things there, I think. Yep, so check out, re- yeah, check out Rewind Replays. But thank you guys for listening. We'll see you whenever we see another movie. <laughs>